0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Key Life Fellowship Men's Bible Study. In this series, Pastor Kirk Hall will be teaching through the book of the Bible known as the Revelation. At this time, open your Bible as the Holy Spirit unveils God's truth to your heart. You guys open your Bibles, Revelation chapter 20, Revelation 20, lesson 39 of these lessons that we've been going through in Revelation, we'll be looking tonight at Verses 11 through 15, we talked last week about the millennium, a 1,000 years. I hope you went back and saw how many times that the term 1,000 years appeared in that small portion of text, and it's very important that we see this if we want to draw an accurate timeline of how things are going to happen. So we saw the rider on the white horse there at the end of 19, the Lord Jesus Christ with his armies clothed in white. They came back to the earth as prophecy said that he would. And he then ruled and reigned for a thousand years. We spoke on that in detail last week. This week we move again sequentially. We are following things in sequential and chronological order at this time. Pay close attention to that. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It says, It is appointed unto men wants to die, and after this, the judgment. We come to that in Scripture tonight, Revelation chapter 20. We come to what is known as the great white throne judgment. This is the passage of Scripture that Satan in all of his craftiness and deceit um, has lured a sinful man into believing that this is not going to ever come to pass. We live in a wicked world that thinks they're never going to be judged for their unbelief and their sin. Unfortunately, this way of thinking has also crept into the church, this erasing of a future judgment, erasing of a future punishment, erasing of a future hell, uh, this lake of fire that we saw opened up where the beast, the Antichrist, false prophet, now in that lake of fire known as Gehenna. We're going to see tonight, as we look at judgment, all the sinful, unredeemed, unbelievers, unregenerate people of all times will join Satan, the beast, and the false prophet in Gehenna, the lake of fire. And Satan wants to erase that from all of your minds. If he can erase that from our minds, we see no urgency in preaching the gospel. If he can erase that from our minds, we see no urgency in believing the gospel, right? The lost world who denies that there is a judgment here in Revelation chapter 20, as we will see tonight, are going to find out how dreadfully wrong they have been. There is going to be a judgment. There is going to be a literal hell. There is not going to be just this annihilation where you just cease to exist and there is just no more humans. We're going to see in this that there is going to be an eternal judgment for the unbeliever, which my prayer is this, that in seeing this, you would have a new passion, a new burden for lost souls, that you would not neglect to share the gospel with every person on every opportunity that you have, that they might believe and be rescued from this judgment, this wrath and the hell that is to come here at the great white throne judgment. So tonight we're going to look into this event. We have seen it approaching. It is approaching in our day. We are nearer and nearer by each passing day to the literal Judgment of God upon wicked sinners. I would say this to you tonight, if you were unregenerate and in your sin and lost, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn to Christ today, turning from your sin, turning by faith to Him, crying out to Christ and Christ alone to forgive you and to save you from the judgment that we are about to see tonight because this is the final judgment. We have seen God be patient over and over and over, even in our lives and in our day and in the history in which we live in. As we studied through the tribulation, we have seen him be patient over and over and over again, yet wicked man refused to repent. After this event that we see tonight, there will be no more chances. Just as I've already said, this event is approaching quickly, day by day. You say, well, how quickly? We know this. Yesterday was Monday. Today is Thursday. we do that a few more times, it's going to be another month. It's going to be another year. The days are moving quickly. Those of you who are up in age, you can testify to this. Just the other day, I was a young man out riding my bicycle, hanging out with my buddies, playing sports, Doing what guys do. Here I am. Now I'm an old man. Time is ticking away. And the gospel is more urgent now than it's ever been. Why? Today we are closer to what we are going to see at the great white throne judgment than we were yesterday. Preach it from the mountaintops that the only hope for unbelieving mankind is Christ. So Let's look at this together. Revelation 20, <clears throat> verse 11, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That is your biblical guarantee of an eternal hell. That is your biblical guarantee of a coming judgment on all unredeemed sinners. Let's break this down and let's look at it in detail tonight because what we have here at this great white throne judgment is a courtroom setting. This is a courtroom. and We are seeing judgment being made from the throne. So let's look at the courtroom in verse 11. Verse 11 describes this for us. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky, fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. This is the final court of judgment upon the earth. We know that God has brought many judgments throughout the history of man. We know that he brought judgment during the flood in the days of Noah, We know that he has brought judgment upon the enemies of Israel. He has brought judgment upon Israel themselves. He brings judgment even in the church today because Scripture says that judgment begins in the house of God. God is a God of justice and judgment. And here we see this will be his final judgment. There will be no more judgment made after this. Evil will be sentenced once and for all. And cast away forever. Let's look at this place. It says the throne. The throne. What what is this describing for us? And simply put, this is the throne of God. But it's going to be a little different than we have seen it as we have traveled through Revelation. We've seen the throne referenced many, many, many times as we've studied and walked through this book. But here we see it again. And this time, the throne is not in heaven, and the throne is not on earth or in earth. But this is somewhere in between. We're going to talk a little bit about that because we can only talk a little bit about that. But we see that earth and sky fled from His presence. The earth as we know it and the sky as we know it and the elements as we know them now could not stand in the presence of Almighty God. Why? Because those things had been tainted with sin since the fall. Romans tells us that even creation is groaning for its redemption. So what we're going to see here, we're going to get a glimpse into the, and we'll talk a little bit more about it in a second, the recreation of the earth and the recreation of what God created way back in the times of Adam, and then it was corrupted by sin. We see the place, but we also see the prosecutor. Who is it that sits upon this throne? It's obvious that this is referring to, to God. This is the throne of God. God is the only one who can and will judge. God will judge unrepentant sinners. Romans chapter 2, verse 16 says, this will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. And when we look at that and we look at it specifically, we see it is God. And we know that when we see the throne of God, we see the throne, and on that throne we see the presence of God the Father, but seated at his right hand is who? It is Christ, the Son of the living God. Now what we're seeing here is God is going to judge the wickedness of mankind, all unrepentant sinners, in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ is, who is God. Again, this is confirming for us the deity of Christ. If you're in our John study on Sunday mornings, we have gone over this and over this and over this. Jesus is God. Jesus here is going to, in the person of Christ, judge the sinners. John chapter 5 confirms this. Verse 22, it says, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Why is the Father not judging here? because he has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Verse 26 of that same chapter in John, John chapter 5, says this, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. It's very important that the Son of Man be the one who judges sinners. Why? Because he was tempted in all things yet he sinned not. Jesus Christ, the God-man, came to this earth, fully God, fully man, tempted in all things, yet did not sin. He is the one who is going to be sat upon the throne, who is going to judge sinful, unbelieving men. Acts chapter 10, verse 42. It says, He commanded us to preach to, to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living And the dead, Jesus Christ is going to judge the living and the dead. He will judge and reward at the bema seat those saints, those believers who by faith have trusted in Him, and they will be rewarded for their good deeds, their good works that were done in Christ. He is also going, as we see today, be the one to judge all of the dead. Who are the dead? He's referring to the dead who died in their sin. Those of you who are Christians. You won't die in your sin. Jesus Christ has already died that death for you. Scripture makes that adamantly clear. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. So we have a picture here on the great white throne, a picture of God the Father and God the Son, and God the Son judging through the authority that has been given to Him by God the Father, to judge the unbelievers of all times. This point in time where this is going to take place, as I've already alluded to, is a time of recreation of this earth. Earth and sky no longer have a place. This is speaking of how God will undo in a moment, or uncreate in a moment, the entire earth as we know it now. He has to do this. He has to uncreate the earth because we're going to see in the next lesson he is going to recreate the earth. So he's got to uncreate it. Now, to a lot of people that says, well, that that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. How can that happen so quickly? He's going to uncreate it as quickly as he created it. And if you'll go back to Genesis, you will see this. He spoke it into existence. And by his power, he is going to, to, through his powerful word, speak it out of existence. He is going to uncreate this sinful world. Again, I remind you, when sin came in, it not only corrupted mankind for the, all generations, sin corrupted the world. We can go to the most beautiful mountainscape in all of the land. We can watch the sun rise over those mountains, and we can talk about how beautiful it is. And yes, it is. But think what it would be had it not been tainted by sin. But it has been tainted by sin. It is going to be uncreated so that God can recreate the earth. How do we know this? Because Scripture declares that. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Verse 11 says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward. Watch this. This is great. We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. There in 2 Peter, Peter agreeing with what we are going to see as we, in chapter 21, get to the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem and all the things that God is going to bring down from heaven onto this recreated earth that is now restored back to its perfect intended condition. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10 says this. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Are they not? Of course they are. We know. We can go back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 11 says, they will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. He says, you'll roll the earth and all of creation up like a garment. There in Revelation 20, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it was seated on it, and earth and sky fled from his presence. There was no place for them. They were rolled up like a scroll just as the scriptures declare. Isaiah 51 verse 6 says this, lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. Matthew chapter 24 verse 35, the Lord himself says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. What we're seeing here in this transition here in Revelation, we are seeing the throne of God in a location that is undisclosed. You say, Kirk, I I would ask that you would explain that to me a little better. I can't. I wish I could. Don't know what that is. Don't know what that looks like it's never been seen. It will never be seen again. It is that transitional period from the heaven to where God puts his throne on this earth. In that transition, the earth is going to be uncreated, as we will see in a few lessons, as I've already noted, and then recreated the way God intends for it to be. So this courtroom scene unfolds somewhere between the old creation, which was tainted by sin, and the new creation, which is completely new and undefiled. This is where this is going to take place. And again, I know that you would like more detail and explanation on this. Me too. If you find it, let me know. I'll buy the coffee and we'll talk. We see this courtroom there. Somebody said, make some coffee now. The next thing that we see are the criminals. We see the criminals here in this courtroom setting. Verse 12, the first part, speaks of these criminals like this. It says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Who is this? This is for sure not the saved people. We have already seen The saved people are with Christ. The saints of all ages are with Christ. They have been glorified. These are the dead, just as it refers to them as the saved, already being glorified, already having their works judged at the bema seat of Christ, receiving those rewards, receiving those white garments and those crowns that we've talked about many times in this study and previous lessons. I want you to understand the dead that we see here are the unbelievers. The unbelievers of all walks of life. He says, great and small. All statuses. All economical statuses. All races. All levels of intelligence. These are kings. These are paupers. These are businessmen, housewives, free men, slaves, plumbers, engineers, soldiers, scientists, ditch diggers, the great and the small, all together. We have heard many times that the ground at the cross is level, that Jesus can save any man from any background, and he can I will remind you of this. The ground at the great white throne is also level. The great and the small will be standing there together before the throne. They will all be judged, great or small. Their money is not going to be able to buy them out somehow of this judgment that they're facing. Their intelligence is not going to be able to, to somehow talk God out of it or talk Him down from what has already been decreed great and the small are going to to stand there. These are the unbelievers, the great and the small. These are the ungodly, those of all realms of immorality, differing degrees of wickedness. There will be the liar standing next to the thief, standing next to the adulterer, standing next to the murderer, standing next to the idolater, the serial killer standing next to the teenager who refused to repent after hearing the gospel message. They will all be there standing before the throne of God, the outwardly religious Pharisee who had nothing but unbelief in his heart, who faked it the whole time. He will be standing there as Judas, along with Judas, along with all those great or small, who are ungodly in their lives. They're destined for hell. When we say that the ungodly are destined for hell, that is the gospel truth. All ungodly, just as I once was before I was rescued by the grace and the mercy that was shown to me at the cross of Calvary, all of the ungodly who refuse to repent turn to Christ as Lord and Savior, we'll be standing here on this day. The ungodly, the unbelievers, the unsaved or the unconverted, whichever term you choose to use, these are those who did not repent of their unbelief and their sin, and they did not believe in this life that they had been given, They did not turn to Christ as many of you have for hope. Yet they tried to find their hope in the things of this world, the pleasures of the flesh, the pleasures of sin. Now they are realizing in this moment that they have traded their very eternal souls for the things of this world, that there really is a judgment and they really are standing before the throne of God and that they really are about to be cast into the lake of fire forever. What a moment! the minds of the wicked, who refused their whole lives to trust in Christ, who refused their whole lives to believe that, just as Scripture says, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. They refused to believe it. In fact, they were the ones who said, I wish that that preacher would stop talking about judgment. He only spoke of judgment to give you the warning so that you could hear it, because here you are now, standing before the throne of God in Judgment. This will be the unbelieving, the ungodly, the unsaved dead throughout the world, throughout all generations of mankind throughout history, from the creation of the world to the final battle at the close of Revelation 20 that we just saw in a previous lesson. These are the dead who are not in Christ. These are those. Romans 6:23 speaks about when he says, for the wages of sin is death. They ignored the second part. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Aren't you thankful, those of you who are in Christ, that he included the second part? Because you know this beyond a shadow of a doubt, just as I know this, I was condemned already. When I see those standing before the great white throne in judgment, I know this. I belong there. Were it not for Jesus Christ, that's where I would find myself all praise and honor and glory to Him for His grace and His mercy that He has shown this wicked sinner. These criminals who have transgressed against a holy God their entire lives are about to meet their reckoning. They thought that they got away with it. Doesn't it look like the lost world is getting away with it? They think that they are getting away with it. They think that they are getting away with their rampant immorality. They think that they are getting away with their lies. They think that they are getting away with their idolatry. They're not getting away, nor will they get away with anything. Nor would you had Christ not washed you clean. And Here they are, the underdeemed, standing before the throne. This is real, gentlemen. This is why we teach our children the gospel. This is why we share the gospel with our family members. This is why we share the gospel with our coworkers. Why? There will be a judgment. Every unbeliever who you come in contact with, you look right here. Potentially, they are going to be standing here. And if you walk past them and do not share the gospel with them, you're saying you don't care. Aren't you thankful someone cared enough for you that they shared the glorious good news with you? Here they are, criminals standing before the last judgment of God on the earth. Criminals who their only hope of pardon was the mercy and the forgiveness found in Christ, yet they refused to believe. Here they are. Christ is not their Savior in this picture. He's their judge. You have one of two options in this life. Christ can be your Savior and your Lord, or He will be your judge. And you will stand before Him as criminals, unbelievers, ungodly, unsaved, unconverted. We see the charges. What are the charges being brought up? There's no courtroom. But there are not charges brought against someone, in this case, many someones. Verse 12 speaks of the charges in the second part of 12, the first part of 12 again says, and I saw the great, the dead, excuse me, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened. So we have plural books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. At least three books that we see here. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. All the people who think that you're not going to be judged as an unbeliever for what you have done, you're sadly mistaken. We're going to see that in these books... Every deed that you have committed that is sinful and wicked will be held to your charge on this day if you're not in Christ. Daniel speaks of these books in Daniel chapter 7. Again, as I've told you many times in this study, you really want to understand Revelation, you, you need to have some understanding of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, it says this, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, and the hair of his head was white like wool, and his throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. We see in Revelation chapter 20, the dead, all the dead that were in the sea, all the dead who were in the ground, Hades, that holding place of the wicked, they're all raised up to stand before the throne of God. Now Daniel says he took books and they were open. We know when the judge walks in, what does the bailiff say? All rise. They stood. And now it's time to sit down and face your charges. Your charges as defined by the books, guilty, unbelieving, unredeemed sinners will be judged and condemned based on the information in these books. What are the books? These are books that contain a precise record of the unconverted person's every evil thought, deed, and action. These books will be compared to another book, the law, the perfect standard of God as revealed in Scripture. And man in an unredeemed state, in his natural state of depravity, will fall miserably short of God's revealed perfection in his law. Man is going to stand there, and he's going to stand there guilty, charged with sin, a transgressor, who has violated the commands of God, who has offended the person and the nature of God. It is just as Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Only those of us in Christ have any hope of redemption. This is where Jesus becomes a really, really big deal if you know Him. He is the one who has saved you from this moment. Because if you're like me, you have to think, I am a sinner. And I know I have enough deeds to fill up all of those books. Yet every one of your deeds has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. You are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. These who are standing here in their depraved state, are not. They will be found guilty as charged. These books will be open, every violation against God that they have ever committed, every single one of them. Oh, I would that each of you would close your eyes for just a moment and think of every single deed that you deserve to go to hell for. And then to stop and to thank God for his unlimited grace the atoning work of Jesus Christ. These men have neglected the sacrifice of Christ. These women have neglected the sacrifice of Christ. All of the dead, great and small, death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. The sea gave up the dead that were in them. All of those who had been buried at sea, who we thought we, we would never see again, here they are standing before the throne of God. He knew exactly where they were. He has summoned them to stand before his throne and to be judged and to be charged as guilty from these books. They will be charged for every single violation that they've ever committed. They will be without excuse, just as Romans 1.20 says about the depraved, unregenerate reprobates. They are without excuse. They're not going to be able to say anything. They're not going to be able to say, but I didn't do that. No, it says you did it right here, October 31st, 1972. You remember it. It wasn't me. It was my friend. No, it says here exactly. You you talked him into doing it. There will be no arguments from those who are being prosecuted that day. They will have no excuse. They will have no advocate there defending them. They have no defense. Just as we would have no defense were it not for our advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ who pleads our case. They stand there alone in their sin, in their reprobation, facing the judgment of a holy God. He opens these books, everything is laid bare, all of their deeds. Then it says that he opened another book. Then he opened another book there in verse 12. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded. In the books. He opens the book of life. And why is this book of life so important? Because the book of life contains contains the name, the names of God's elect throughout history. This book of life, according to scripture, was written before the foundations of the earth. That book is going to be opened to show them. You didn't believe. You didn't believe. You didn't believe. Yeah, but but, but the, the friend who was with me, he did the same thing that I did. Yes, but his name's in the book of life. He believed and his sin is not held to his charge. His sin has been covered by Christ. You, however, rejected Christ. Your name's not found in the Lamb's book of life. This book of life is spoken of many times in Scripture, not just here in Revelation. We don't really even have to do a whole lot of speculating from just one verse in Revelation. We see that it appears many times in Scripture. In fact, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. That's talking about the tribulation. We ought to know that full well. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book of life, will be delivered. That's that promise that we have Seen there in Daniel chapter twelve in regard to the tribulation, he says all the elect, those who were to be saved during the tribulation, along with all the elect of all times, will be delivered. They will be saved. Their names are found written in the book. Malachi chapter three verse sixteen it says then those who feared the Lord, the Lord talked with each other, those who feared the Lord had talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in His presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored His name. Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. The believers in the New Testament times understood that their name, because they were elect, because they had believed that their name was in the book of life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, says to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. Oh, be thankful tonight if you were in Christ and your name is written in heaven. These who are standing before the throne in our lesson tonight, their names are not found in that book. They have not believed. They have not repented of their sin and turned to Christ. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Jesus saying this. However, he says to his disciples, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you They were a little excited because they had done a little exorcism. He says, don't rejoice at that, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's the only hope that we have of not standing before the great white throne judgment, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. All those whose names were not, I mean, whose who were contained, their deeds contained in those first books will be found guilty in regard to sin. All those whose names were not in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, they will be found guilty in regard to unbelief. They did not have faith in Christ, therefore their sins were not forgiven. They will be held accountable for their unbelief and their sin. Pay close attention to that. Every sin. There will be no cross-examination, again, no arguments presented. They will have no case against the holy God and His standard. He has laid it out there, and it has not changed, and He has not fudged on any of it. His perfect standard is still His perfect standard, and they miss the mark because they are not in Christ Jesus, because they are sinful and wicked. Many will try to argue on that day. Many will try to argue on that day. Matthew chapter 7. The Lord says this in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. They're going to say, but, but, but you are Lord. I, at one time at this camp when I was a kid, they said if, if, if I just raise my hand and pray, my, pray this prayer, and I'll go to heaven. And I, I did exactly what they told me to do. He flips through the books. He says, yeah, but your life never changed. Your life has been sinful. It's always been sinful. You know, go to the Lamb's book of life and say, no, your name is not contained here in the Lamb's book of life. Though you claim that I am Lord, Jesus himself said, why do you call me Lord? Yet do not do what I say. That's for all the people in the room who think holiness is an option for a believer, for all the antinomians who are here tonight who think it's okay to abuse grace, so I can just do what I want to do, and I can just say, Lord, forgive me. Do you think he does not know what you are doing? Do you think that an all-wise God does not see through your schemes? Many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, they won't enter into heaven. They claim him as Lord, but they deny him with their so That's why it's important that you don't abuse grace. A person who abuses grace has no repentance. He has no true claim to Christ. I'm going to say that again. A person who abuses grace and has no repentance, he has no true claim to Christ. Stop deceiving yourself and being deceived by the enemy. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Watch what he says in verse 22. That's one group of people. Verse 22, he says, many will say to me on that day. What day? The great white throne judgment. That day. Many will say to me on that day, "Lord, Lord, did not we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Didn't we go to that church called Life Fellowship and didn't we serve on some of the ministries there? Didn't we go overseas once on a mission trip? Didn't we go every Sunday and never miss? We were baptized" He says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. What's going on here? Deeds and faith. Deeds and faith. There's the person who says he's Lord, but they deny him with their deeds. Then there's the person who does right religious things all for themselves by their own power. He says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. That knew is an intimate term that comes only by faith in Christ. The only way that you can know God and be known by God in an intimate relationship is through Christ Jesus, and it's by faith in Him and Him alone. These are those people. They're in Matthew chapter 7 trying to argue their way into heaven only to hear those dreadful words away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. Not I knew you, and then you drifted away, no, he's going to preserve his own. He wrote your name in the book of life before the foundations of the earth. He will preserve you. I say that to each of you so you will work out your own salvation with fear and dribbling to find out, am I really in Christ? Will I be one of these people who said, didn't I go to Sunday school? Didn't I go to men's Bible study on Thursday night? Only to have the Lord say, away from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. There will be those who try to argue, but their arguments will not be heard. They are those who have a profession only, but no change, no practical righteousness in their life. They are those who have the works of the flesh, but no true faith and conversion and repentance to back that up. They will be charged. All unredeemed sinners will be charged as guilty before a holy God. This is what we're seeing here unfold in Revelation chapter 20. Next, we see the conviction. The conviction. They are going to be convicted of their crimes. Verse 14 says this, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. They've all already died the first death. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. They have died once. They are standing before God at the judgment. They are going to experience the second death. Verse 15, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, there it is again. He was thrown into the lake of fire. This is God's judgment. This is hell. This is His eternal wrath on sinful man. This is eternal damnation, a term that we don't even like to talk about anymore, right? Many people get offended. They would say about a true Bible preacher that he's a hellfire brimstone preacher. He's a Bible preacher, the true preacher of the gospel is always going to include the judgment of God. Why? Because it is Christ who frees you from the judgment and the wrath that is to come. There is no gospel without the ending to that message. That there is going to be a day. And I would say to you, prepare for that day. The only true preparation that you can make is to be in Christ. To turn this night, repent of your sin, and trust in Him. This is God's judgment. Eternal damnation for the unbeliever in Gehenna. That is the final hell. There will be no more judgment. This is the final lake of fire. This is that fiery lake that Satan, the beast, and the Antichrist are already in at this time. Eternal damnation. When I say eternal, that is exactly what I mean. That is exactly what the scripture concludes. It will never cease, it will be forever. This is the enactment of God's judgment and wrath against unbelievers of all times, all times, all epochs, all of history, all of mankind who have refused to believe in Christ will be convicted, they will be judged, they will be sentenced to hell, and they will face the eternal wrath of God. You say, that seems like that makes God mean. No, it makes God just. He's been telling you this the whole time. He's just. The wickedness of man is not going to go unpunished. It can be punished for you at the cross where Jesus bore the wrath or you can face the punishment in hell. Hear the message tonight and believe. You see, this is the enactment of that punishment and that wrath. Unbelieving men will get exactly what they deserve. They will receive the level of hell to which they lived. All of these men, all of these women, equally deserving of hell. But their hell will be varying in degrees of torment. Many people don't quite understand this. But Jesus testifies to this, that there will be differing levels of torment in hell. And before you get too excited as an unbeliever, let me tell you this. The easiest level is still hell. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 21 He's referring to some places here, and I want you to pay attention to how he says this. He says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago and sacked off in ashes. He's warning the people who he's actually ministered to in his earthly ministry. He's done miracles there, and they refused him, and they refused to believe that he is who he says that he is, and he says, you know, if Tyre and Sidon, who were destroyed through God's judgment... If they would have seen what you have seen, they would have repented long ago. He goes on to say, but I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. He says, you're going to receive a deeper degree of judgment for your unbelief. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day, but I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. We know that those places were judged, but also those people were judged, and they will be judged and sentenced to an eternal damnation, which will be different degrees based on the severity of their wickedness in this life. This is consistent with the nature of God. In fact, even in His law, the violations in His law all had different judgments and punishments that came with them. One punishment of this crime was not exactly like the punishment of this crime, though all crimes received punishment. Isn't it interesting how our nation, who stole their whole idea of judicial system from the Word of God, cannot believe that there will be a final judgment and a final conviction where the punishment is going to fit the crime. All unbelieving sinners will go to hell and all will be judged according to the deeds that they have done. What does that mean? The serial killer and the pedophile are going to have a deeper location in hell than that person. It was a pretty good old boy who lived in East Texas, and all he really did was just hunt deer and violate game laws. There's a difference in the eyes of God. They all will be sentenced to hell for their unbelief, but they will receive torment based on the severity of their sin in this life. But all will receive everlasting destruction and death. In a literal, write that down, literal, this is not symbolic. Nothing in scripture even remotely indicates that Gehenna is symbolic. It is the lake of fire. It's real. In fact, it's so real that scientists who don't even believe in Christ already knows that it exists. If we could today take a large screwdriver or a chisel and a large hammer and crack to the center of the earth, every good scientist knows that there is a lake of fire. Wasn't it interesting how when Jesus sets foot on the Mount of Olives, the earth is going to quake? You don't think when those fault lines open up, that volcanic action is not going to happen. When it does, just outside of Jerusalem, there will be a literal lake of fire. It's going to be real. And these unbelievers are going to be tormented there in everlasting destruction and death, in literal hell, a place of everlasting torment. Mark chapter 9, verse 48, quoting from the Old Testament, it says, The worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. Oh, what torment in hell! The fire is not quenched. Day and night, night and day, forever and ever and ever, they will be tormented for their sin, for their unbelief. Well, oftentimes we as believers like to think about that forever and ever and ever in regard to dwelling in the presence of God. What a glorious thing that will be. But on the flip side of that, all of those who refuse to, unbelieve, refuse to believe, remain in their unbelief, all of those who you neglect to share the gospel with, they will perish forever and ever. Endeavor. Endeavor. Oh, how selfish we are. To have our assurance of salvation, but not to offer the same thing to others who will for sure perish in hell. Look at all these things that we have seen in Revelation that sinners have ignored in order to find themselves right here in this time in Revelation 20. They're at the gates of hell, they've ignored the law the prophets, the Messiah when He came. They ignore the gospel. They ignore the teaching of the apostles. They ignore the holy scriptures. They ignore preachers throughout the ages, real preachers who are not afraid to preach and to warn of a judgment that is to come and a Savior who can rescue you. They continue to ignore the truth of God's love, His mercy, His grace, and forgiveness over and over again. They ignore his patience, his forbearance. Some of you in this room tonight, he's been patient with you, yet you're still in your sin and in your unbelief. Repent! Be saved tonight. He's been patient with you. Showing his forbearance toward the sinner, yet they continually ignore his judgments, the warnings of his wrath. Even during the tribulation, as we saw, as we walked through that, knowing that it was God bringing the judgment upon them, they still refused to repent. What a sad day for the unbeliever here. There will be no more offers of salvation. There will be no more preachers of truth. There will be no more messages of potential hope and forgiveness This is it. Unbelieving sinners will be accused rightfully. They will have all evidence presented against them rightfully. They will be convicted by a holy and just God, and their conviction will be eternal death in hell. This is, as he says here in this text, the second death. Why is it important that we look at this? Why is it important? You look at such a tragic event because this is real, gentlemen. Oh, you can easily believe Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth, just to turn around and simply ignore the fact that there is judgment coming for the unbeliever? Not cry out to Jesus to have mercy on your soul tonight? Why would you acknowledge the one and ignore the other? They're all true. They're all God-breathed and inspired and inerrant and infallible. Just as God created the heavens and the earth, and we know that by faith that He did, because He said that He did, just the way that He said that He did it, He's going to judge sinners at the great white throne. This is why we preach the true gospel. This is why we preach the complete gospel. This is why... We must include the warnings of judgment. Though you won't be popular when you speak of hell, you won't be popular when you confront the unrepentant sinner with the fact that he's going to die eternally. Oh, he's going to to confuse your love for his soul? He's going to confuse that as some kind of hatred toward him. Oh, unregenerate, hear me tonight. We preach the full counsel of the Word of God, the true gospel, because we love your wretched soul, because we are thankful that God loved our wretched soul. We want you to hear the truth so that you don't meet the same fate as these who we've seen tonight here at the great white throne being judged by the King of kings and Lord of lords. We preach the truth to warn men. May I warn you again tonight, men, that unless you repent, you too will likewise perish. Unless you repent, this is what eternity has for you. I don't say that to be gloomy. I say that so you hear the truth. There is hope in Christ and there is hope in Christ alone. The only one who can free you from your sin is Christ. He will forgive you every last one. May you cry out to him, him alone tonight, for mercy and grace. Cry out to him that he would rescue you from the coming judgment that will come upon all unbelievers once and for all. According to Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, as we have seen tonight. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you thanking you so much for your word. Lord, you did not have to warn us about the judgment that is to come. But thank you in your grace that you have. We are deserving of it, whether you spoke of it or whether you didn't. But here you are warning men everywhere to repent and turn to Christ as the only one who can save a wretched, sinful soul. God, I pray that they hear this warning, that they see this truth, that they would turn to Christ today and be saved and forgiven of all their sin. Lord, we thank You that You care enough about us to warn us that there is a judgment and that we can either rest in Christ bearing the wrath and judgment for us on the cross we can try to bear it as these have in Revelation chapter 20 on our own. And we will spend eternity in hell for our transgressions and our unbelief. Convict hearts tonight, Lord. May they not rest until they repent and turn to Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the salvation that you have graciously given all of us who believe today. May we never take that for granted. May we always give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. we hope that you have grown through the teaching of god's word if you would like to find out more information about key life fellowship visit our website keylifefellowship.com or you can email us at info at org. we would love for you to join us in person our men's bible study meets every thursday night at 7 p.m here at the key life fellowship campus located in new caney texas or feel free to join us at one of our sunday worship services as well As we conclude today's lesson, I will leave you with one reminder. Go out and be the light in a lost, dark world.